morning, church. So good to be with you. Good morning. Happy Super Sunday. Wow, how exciting. Well, um, I wanted to do something a little different. I want to um, show you some pictures. This is, these are eight pictures of famous people that all of you know. And here's the mystery question. The question is, what do they all have in common? All right, you all ready? Okay, let's start with the first picture. Anyone know who this is? Michael Orr, <laughs> last year's Super Bowl champions, <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens. All right, the next picture. Anyone know who this is? Very good, Marilyn Monroe. So, what do these two people have in common? Oh boy. <laughs> all right, next picture. We all know who this is? President Clinton. What do these three people have in common? Oh, boy. Um, Bram, do you have a gift card that I can give away for the person that gets this? <laughs> how about your wallet? Can I have a $20? Okay. How about the next picture? Very good. Nelson Mandela. What do these four people have in common? Oh, close. Okay, next, next picture. Oh, all the old people know who this is. Babe Ruth. Yeah. What do these five people have in common? Candy bar. Candy bar. No. Next picture. Okay, who is this? Yes, the Reverend Jesse Jackson. Anyone know who, what all these six people have in common yet? No, you guys are, you guys are cold, man. All right, next picture. This is tough. Who's this? Wow, you got it. Faith Hill. What do these seven people have in common? Anyone know? Mm, they're all humans. <laughs> Good one. All right, the last picture. Here you go. Everyone know who Steve Jobs is. Okay, that's it. Eight people. What do these eight people have in common? Anyone know? No. <laughs> what do these eight people have in common? Here it is. Every single one of them were adopted as a child. Interesting, yeah? Michael Orr, he was actually in the foster care system at the age of seven. Marilyn Monroe, she was abandoned and so she lived in a foster care system for most of her childhood. President Bill Clinton, kind of tragic. His dad was actually killed in an automobile accident three months before he was born. And so he was sent to live with his grandparents as a child. Nelson Mandela, his dad died when he was a young boy. And so he was adopted at the age of nine. Babe Ruth, sent to an orphanage at the young age of seven. The Reverend Jesse Jackson, adopted by his stepfather. Faith Hill, adopted as an infant in Mississippi. And Steve Jobs, believe it or not, he was adopted at birth. Interesting, yeah? All eight people were adopted. In my opinion, the adoption of a child 
is one of the most heroic and selfless acts of unconditional love. It gives me great hope that there is still something good and decent within us as human beings. Adoption is such a beautiful, such an amazing and magnificent expression of unconditional love. Interestingly, believe it or not, the Bible says that you and I, that we are adopted, that we are adopted people, that you and I are adopted into the family of God. In fact, take a look at what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 says. I love this verse. This is one of the verses that you'll want to take home and memorize and claim for yourself. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 says this. It says, God decided in advance, and listen carefully, to adopt us into his own family. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And I love the next part of the sentence. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Imagine that. God adopts us into his family through Jesus Christ. And God says he wanted to adopt us. And it gave him great pleasure to adopt us into his family. That's great news. And this morning, I want to look at some privileges of adoption. Some privileges of being adopted into the family of God. And so, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look at verses 31 to 39 this morning. So Romans chapter 8. So that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. And this is what it says. It says this. It says, If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? And the first privilege of adoption is belonging. It's belonging. And the question here is not who is against us. I mean, we all know the answer to that question, right? Disease and cancer. Loneliness, loss, inflation, corruption, depression, and the list goes on and on. But I think, although this sentence ends with a question mark, I think that the Apostle Paul is more making a statement than asking a question. And I think that the statement that Apostle Paul is making is this, God is for us. God is for you. And I, and I would underline that in your Bibles. God is for you. And in order to understand the gravity of this simple statement, four letters, uh, four words in this simple statement, to understand the power and the, and, and the force behind these four words, I think it would behoove us to dig a little deeper and look at each word in turn. And so the first word is, God, God is for you. 
God, the creator of the universe, God, the creator of the cosmos, God, the designer and the architect of our solar system, of our Milky Way, of galaxies, God who said, let there be light, and there was light. God, in fact, who said, it's the Bible says, God is able to hold all the water in every ocean, in the cup, in the palm of his hand. I mean, the greatness, the vastness, the hugeness of God is beyond our comprehension. And it is this God who is for you. Your parents may have forgotten you. And sometimes even the people that are supposed to be for you, it appears, are against you. But God is for you. Let's take a look at the second word, is. God is for you. Not maybe, not has been, not will be, not was, but is. God is for you on this very day, at this very hour, in this very moment. God is for you. And take a look at the third word, for. God is for you. Take a look at the sidelines. Well, that's God cheering you on because he's for you. Look past the finish line. That's a God applauding your steps because God is for you. Feeling like you've been knocked down lately? Well, that's God picking you up. Because he is for you. Feel like life has backed you into a corner? Well, that's God that's got your back. Because he is for you. And let, let's take a look at the last word. You. God is for you. If God had a calendar, it'd be your birthday that would be circled. If God had a car, your name would be on his license plate. If God carried a wallet, it would be a picture of you that he'd be carrying. Because God is for you. And so the first privilege of being adopted into the family of God is belonging. Is this idea that God is for you. And then the second privilege of being adopted into the family of God is provision, provision. Take a look at what the verse, next verse says. In verse 32, it says this. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not, along with him, graciously give us all things? And the Apostle Paul is saying here, Jesus, God gave us Jesus, the most precious thing that he has. God gave us Jesus. And so what makes us think that he won't graciously give us everything else? You see, we worry about many things. We worry about our health. We worry about our loved ones. We worry about terrorism. We worry about the stock market. We worry if we'll have enough money to pay the bills this month. But God promises 
that he will meet the needs of his children that he has adopted. So that's good news. Privilege number two is provision. Privilege number three, the privilege of being adopted into the family of God, forgiveness. Verse 33 and 34 says this. It says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of of God the Father and is also interceding for us. Sometimes I wonder, why would God want to adopt me? Doesn't seem rational. You see, I know myself. I know the thoughts that I think. I know the mistakes I've made. I know my past. I know the people that I've hurt. And so why would God want to adopt me? Why doesn't God just throw me out on the street and leave me to be? And the answer is this. Because God is crazy in love with me. And God is crazy in love, wildly in love, madly in love with you. So much so that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and for me. And because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. The Bible says that God cast our sins to the farthest depths of the sea. And the Bible says that he remembers our sins no more. That's good news. So another privilege of adoption, forgiveness. The fourth privilege of adoption that I see in Romans chapter 8 is this. Enduring love. Enduring love. Romans 8.35 says this. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And the question here is, Can anything separate us from God's love? The question here is, how long does God's love endure? How does God feel about me when I lose my temper? When the thoughts that I think are gutter level? When the things that come out of my mouth are filthy? How does God feel about me then? Did I cross the line this week? Did I drift too far? Did I slip too much? Here's the answer. I love the next few verses. It says this. It says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else 
in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What these verses tell me is that God offers us his love. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But we so desperately need it. And what these verses tell me is that you are something special. That God loves you just as you are. If you think that God's love would be stronger for you if your faith were stronger, you're wrong. If you think that God's love for you would be deeper if your thoughts were deeper, you're wrong. See, we can't confuse God's love with the love of people. Sometimes the love of people is fickle, yeah? It increases when we do good. But the love of people decreases when we make mistakes. Not so with God's love. God's love is constant, unchanging, enduring. God's love does not cease. Sometimes we reject God. Sometimes we ignore him. Sometimes we disobey him. But his love for us remains constant. He loves us just as we are. And our badness cannot diminish his love. Our goodness cannot increase his love. Our faith can't earn his love. And our wrong choices can't jeopardize his love. God doesn't love us less if we fail or more if we succeed. God's love is constant. It's unchanging. It's unceasing. It's unfailing. God loves you just as you are. And so in summary, each of us are adopted. We're adopted into the family of God. And when we're adopted into the family of God, we experience some privileges. And according to Romans, some of these privileges, they include belonging and protection and provision and forgiveness and enduring love. God is crazy in love with you. So much so that he declares to the world, you see, Christy, well, that's my daughter. You see Phi? Well, that's my son. You see Wade? Well, that's my son. You see Ulu Vehi? Well, that's my daughter. Because he is crazy in love with you. He is madly, wildly in love with you. The privileges of adoption, belonging, provision, forgiveness, and enduring love. Is that a good word for us this morning? Amen. Amen.